blow and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. This week's guest speaker at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their lives. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. I'm going to be talking about a subject today. One word for my title. It is honor. Honor is a subject that we can do a series on easily. And I'm going to just give you a shotgun effect today and throw a bunch of things at you. But before we do that, even though my wife and I have been coming here since the 1st of May, I believe, of last year, there's some of you that don't know us. And I want to just take a little bit of time and just let you know who we are, where we come from, and why we are the way we are. And there's three events in my life that I'm going to start with. I promise this is going to be the bullet point version of the cliff notes of a Reader's Digest condensed story. I'm not going to bore you with the whole long detail. I'm going to try to do it like that. But In September of 1969, I was inducted into the U.S. military. And I took an oath. That oath was a sacred oath. And that oath was to defend the United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That was in September of 1969. Hallelujah. I don't have the exact date, but in September or October of 1970, is that something I'm doing, Gunner, or is that... Okay. If I'm doing it, I want to correct it. But if it's not me, I'll keep going. In 1970, I was in the Boyoy Woods, Three Corps, South Vietnam. And I was sick. All the symptoms of malaria, except for a high enough temperature to get dusted out of the battle. And I prayed, Lord, make me sicker. Because I've been at church all the time. You can pray, right? Well, that's the education I had. So I prayed almost for a week. Lord, I want to get out of here. Make me sicker. Didn't happen. Now, I may not be the fastest learner around, but I realized maybe I'm praying wrong. So I started praying, Lord, make me well. I want to get out of here. And it was totally selfish, wrong motivation. And I did that for about a week. And I remember one day we were in the Boiloy Woods. I threw my rucksack down on a tree stump, mud and water all around. And I didn't even know how to say a sinner's prayer. And I didn't even know I needed to be saved. But I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray. But I do know that you gave me a free will. And I only want to do one thing with that will. I give it to you so that you can make your will my will. (laughs) And he did. He did. Somebody or something came up from behind me 
and enveloped me with a, I call it a big old bear hug. I was honestly too afraid to turn around to see if he was there. But I know he came in and he changed my life. And then in February of 1971, now these three events in my life happened within about 22, 23 months. And on February, or in February, 1971, I took Peggy Ann Hayward to be my covenant partner in life. And she became Peggy Ann Harvey. And those three events, if you want to know what makes me tick, go back and look at those, because they formed. Hallelujah. I did a lot of jobs. One of them, I've been on and off farm work for a lot of times. And for one period, I was working on my father-in-law's farm. And I was planting corn. It was a 2,200-acre corn-soybean operation with livestock. And I was planting. And I, it was, you know, we're getting into the modern times by then. We got the cab with the, the tractor with the cab on it and everything. And I just popped a, well, not real modern times. I just popped a cassette tape. (laughs) (laughs) But we had air conditioning. We had air conditioning. (laughs) I had just popped the cassette tape in. It was kind of cloudy in the east. I remember I was heading west. It was cloudy in the east. And the sun broke from behind the clouds. Just as the music crescendoed. And I'll tell you what. I felt the presence of God. And he said, now I don't know if this was an audible voice or I just heard it in my spirit, but he said to me, just as you are on this farm, so will you be in my kingdom. Now that might not mean much to you until I tell you the rest of the story. I planted because my brother-in-law, excuse me, there's something tickling here. My brother-in-law, nor my father-in-law, could plant straight. And in Farm Ridge Township, LaSalle County, Illinois, the neighbors are going to check out your rows. <laughs> but I could plant straight, so I got the job. Every kernel of grain that was planted on that farm, I planted. But I like to harvest. I enjoy running the combine. I worked for eight years on that farm. And I probably didn't run that combine over five hours. My father-in-law did it all. And as I thought about it, just as you are in the kingdom, or just as you are on the farm, so will you be in the kingdom. Now I think of my brother, Bob. Anybody got a doubt that he's got a gift of evangelism? Amen. 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 Well, we're all evangelists, but that gift manifests in different ways. So we went to Guatemala hoping for revival, change the country. Why stop at the country? Let's change Central America. Did it happen? I did what I was called to do. I sowed so much seed. Peggy sowed so much seed in Guatemala. Seventeen and a half years in Guatemala. We inherited a or took over a ministry that was primarily humanitarian works. There was no spiritual teaching. We came on board to be the spiritual leaders. And six months later, everybody left. 
and we were in charge of everything. Even the person that got us there who was located in Guatemala City left. And we were in charge of FCF of Guatemala. Nobody mentioned that to me when I said yes. <laughs> but God had a plan. Amen? Well, before we got to Guatemala, people told us, we knew that we were called, but they said, you got to go every chance you get, go somewhere, and when you're where you got to go, or where you're supposed to go, you'll know. And we'd ask them, how do we know? They said, you'll know. I said, no, no, how do we know? I said, you'll know. Just do it. So I got an opportunity to go to Mardi Gras. I witnessed on the streets of Mardi Gras for seven days before Fat Tuesday. How many are familiar with Mardi Gras? It is crazy. It is crazy. And I want to tell you a testimony because in Grace Group Wednesday night, we were talking about signs and wonders. We were talking about not putting God in a box. We were talking about this type of thing. And then when we were worshiping, it all came back to me. So I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, to prepare you for it, men, promise me that you're going to keep every thought in captivity to Jesus Christ. Okay, are you with me? Can I go forward? Okay. Before I left for Mardi Gras, the pastor that we were sitting under prayed a prayer. And he prayed, and he said it kind of jokingly. I didn't think he was even serious. But he says, pray that Craig would keep his eye on the Creator and not on the creation. You all know Mardi Gras, you know, the beads and all the stuff that goes on. It was the Monday before Fat Tuesday. We were in the crowded street, you know, you're in the crowds like that by then. And I had not seen a bit of nudity. I had not seen, I knew stuff was going around around me, but I was focused. And God may have even protected me. But I want to tell you what happened this one night. I heard the chanting start from the crowd around me, and that meant that some girl was being targeted, and the beads were flying. And I just felt compelled to look. And they oh, look. Now the story gets good. I was compelled to look, and the lady was off to my left, and I looked up, and the first thing I saw, and we were about as far away as... I was as far away from her as I am from Garrett right now, up in the balcony. And I looked up there, and she and I made eye contact. Now, I honestly can't see Garrett's eyes that well. But she and I made eye contact. And if you could imagine what the devil's eyes look like, that's what I saw. And it was like everything was in slow motion, and I heard the crowd chanting, And then they started cheering just as I saw her take her blouse and start to raise her arms. And I thought, what is going on? And she raised that up over her head. And the crowd was going nuts. And I was standing there. And I tell you, I'll go to my grave knowing what I saw. I saw a woman, I don't know if they still call them this, but back in the day, a tube top. Are we familiar with tube tops? Is there a better name for it today? I'm dating myself, I know. This woman had the most radiant white tube top on. It was incredible. And I'm thinking, she's making fools of these guys. She didn't disrobe. 
And it wasn't until later I realized God did that for me. I don't know how, whether it was just a vision that I, I, or he actually clothed her to where I was the only one who could see that. I don't know. But it helped me learn that we don't put God in a box. We don't limit our God. Because, as I mentioned, some of my message is already out here. We're God that created the universe that is still growing. You saw that in my notes. (laughs) Can't make this stuff up. Not at all. Hallelujah. And that started me on my walk with the spiritual awareness. Now, I've already established the fact I may not be the fastest learner. And the people I was around at the time, even when I came back from Vietnam, we're pretty much in you know, the legalism. I was a card-carrying Pharisee for years. We also got a chance to go on several missions trips. Oh, I, I did get to work um, the parking lots at the Indianapolis 500, a pre-race party. There is an experience for you. My, my son went with me on that one, my oldest son, Scott. And then Peggy went to Panama with our daughter, Beth, and I went to Panama a year later with our son, Todd. So we started going on missions trips, and then we went to Liberia, West Africa. Somebody signed us up for that trip. They knew we were called to be missionaries, so they signed us up, and we started getting information. We went with 52 people. The majority of them, we didn't know it until we met them in LaGuardia Airport. The majority of them were Mennonites, but they loved the Lord, and we had a great time. Now, just to let you know how we flow, I call that Liberian experience our Holy Ghost grad school. We had favor, we had boldness, we flowed in the gifts. And I'm going to tell a little story on Peggy. Most of you know Peggy because she's so bubbly, she lights up the room, you can hear her laugh all the way across the room. We spent three days on the military base. And there was so much need for people to share the gospel that they asked couples if they would split up so that we could reach more people. And Peggy got ushered into the office of the commanding general of the Liberian army. And you all heard about third world nations and macho spirits and everything. Do you think he wanted to hear the gospel from Peggy? No. No. She stood right in front of his desk, and he sat there and played with a pencil and a piece of paper, doing nothing. Kept his head down like this. And sweet, quiet little Peggy. She got down on her knees on the desk, and she said, Sir, I would appreciate it if you would look at me when I'm talking to you. (laughs) She prayed with him to accept Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) We had a church service every night while we were in Liberia, and the the leader of the group had told us, be ready for anything. So, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm ready for anything. We were walking in, and the services were like 200 people, plus dogs and chickens and everything. The leader stopped Peggy and said, Peggy, would you mind giving your testimony tonight during the service? She said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. And I thought, oh. That's cool. I don't have to do anything. And I start walking right behind her, and he grabs my shoulder, and he says, 
Oh yeah, Craig, you got the message. <laughs> At least Pastor Steve gave me ten day notice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Near the end of that three week outreach, real briefly, we did a march through Monrovia. We did a rally in a parade grounds or a athletic grounds. I don't know because I was um really unaware of my surroundings at that moment because I found out that not too long before that the same guy that told me I had the message that night said you're going to have the closing message for the rally and I said oh okay and yeah by the way it's going to be broadcast on Liberian National Radio live <laughs> it's like whew. so to come and talk to my friends and family here at Beloved It's an honor and a privilege, but it's not a big thing. God has used me, God has used Peggy, and God has used and will continue to use each one of you. As long as you're willing, as long as you're yielded, He will use you. Hallelujah. So we spent 17 years in Guatemala. We did some humanitarian work. We did... A lot of Bible studies, we planted a church, we taught, made disciples, and there is a lot of seed. And I know that seed and the Word of God does not return void. So we know that our harvest in Guatemala is ongoing. I never lost a moment's sleep thinking, we could have done more, we should have done more, why didn't we do this, why didn't that happen? No, it was all in God's plan. I'm more of a sower than a reaper. I reap every chance I get, but I'm more of a sower than a reaper. So, were we successful? Yes, I believe we were very successful. So, in the fall of 2018 till June of 2019, the Lord started moving in our heart. We transitioned out. We turned the mission over to another missionary, and we came home to be on sabbatical. And we thought, no problem. There's got to be a good Andrew Womack spirit-filled church in our area? No. Yeah, right. (laughs) And we kept searching out and circling out further. And then when we saw Brother Steve on on a uh, YouTube of an interview he did in the Daily Plaza, I said, i got to check this out. We're here. That's the rest of the story. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just remembered Pastor Steve told me to look at the clock before I start my message, and I forgot. So, (laughs) Holy Ghost, show me. (laughs) But it it didn't register. (laughs) Bob Bob and I went out to Crossroads Church in Winnebago about ten days ago. Tom Stammon was there. And you know how Tom Stammon gives numbers for people to be prophesied over? I asked Bob, I says, what number were we? He said, I don't know. I was going to ask you what number we are. <laughs> so yeah, I looked at the clock. <laughs> if Steve asked, did you look at the clock? I'll say yes. It didn't mean anything. Hallelujah. So one more thing about our journey, and I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to start my message. Um, At the end of 2020, if you were here, we had an opportunity to come up to this altar. 
and leave everything from 2020 behind and start fresh in 2021. Now, I'll confess I didn't come to the altar, but that doesn't mean I didn't do business with the Holy Ghost where I was. And I'll tell you what, this year has started off in a whirlwind. I am now on staff, missions and outreach coordinator, if you want a title. I don't know if that's official, but the responsibility is planning outreaches and missions. It's a it's a dream and a belief and a prayer petition the beloved church and Pastor Steve have had for years. And God brought us here to do that, to serve alongside all of you precious people. I was tempted to say crazy, but <laughs> peculiar, peculiar. You are peculiar people, and I am one of you. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about honor. And I do, te- I do a lot of teaching, but I do a lot of preaching. And the way my lesson is lined out here, it is starting to teach, but I'm going to skip a lot of it. Um, honor is a big word. To define honor, it's like define love. You understand? It's easier to show examples So I want to start with something, and because I do have a military background, I told you about that already. This was taken from the Patriot Post in November 14, 2010, in an article entitled, Sacred Honor, Our Oath to Support and Defend. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to highlight something here. In 1776, an extraordinary group of men signed a document that affirmed their unalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By attaching their signatures to our great Declaration of Independence, they were in effect signing their death warrants in defense of essential liberty. Now, if you all pull out your pocket constitution, I know you all got it because your pastor published the book. I don't see anybody reaching. (laughs) I'll have to tell Steve about that. (laughs) Page 13. At the end of the Declaration of Independence. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now, isn't that interesting? They pledged their lives, but their lives didn't mean anything. Their lives were temporal. They pledged their fortunes. Their fortunes didn't mean anything to them. They were ready to lose them. But they knew that their honor was a gift from the Father. It was a sacred thing, not to be played with. It's like an oath. Our founding fathers, oh, somebody's got a testament. Good for you. Good for you. It's not the one that, not the authorized one, but it's good. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) 
I got one very similar to that. Okay, hallelujah. So their lives and their fortunes were temporal. But honor was a characteristic that they got for who they were. Our founding fathers were men of God. Our nation is the only nation that was founded on the principles of God. We say, well, what about Israel? No, 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 no. God chose Israel. Our founding fathers chose God. There's a big difference. Amen? Hallelujah. One other quick quote. From the U.S. Army Code of Honor in this article, uh, dated March 8, 2013. Of all the Army values, honor is one that embodies all the others. Honor is a matter of carrying out, acting, and living the values of respect, duty, loyalty, selflessness, service, integrity, and personal courage in everything that you do. I thought that was a pretty good definition of honor. And then there's a quote down here. It says, without honor, you cannot count on someone to do the right thing unless you are watching them all of the time. And that's impossible. Honor, to me, this is a, uh, a man in the Redstone Test Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Honor, to me, means doing the right thing to represent yourself, your family, and your company. And I added to that, and the ecclesia, and or Lord. Honor is a sacred, sacred, precious thing. Now, I had plans to show you a video, but I'm going to give you a real, a, a verbal description of the video. Um, got it off of social media, and I don't know if because it was too patriotic, it got pulled, but Mitch has labored over it and never got it open. So, how many have ever had Amazon delivered to your house? Figured that. This is a picture of an Amazon delivery man. And he's elderly, probably my age, maybe a little younger, a couple of years. And he's bringing three boxes into a house. And you can tell he's limping. You can tell he's got some maybe joint problems or something. And the first thing that happens in this video that spoke honor to me was he set the boxes down on the porch. And there were three of them, largest, middle size, smallest, and he took time to arrange them. And I thought, wow. Now, when the Amazon man comes to my house, he doesn't have to even ring the bell. I can hear the packages hitting the floor. <laughs> Boom. Oh, they're here. <laughs> I think sometimes they must see how far they can throw them. But anyway, this man was a man of honor. When he stood up and he had to struggle to stand up, he turned around and entered the video that was taken off of a ring camera. An American flag flies to the ground, obviously fallen off of its staff. And he turned around and he saw that, and the first thing he did is shuffle over and pick it up. And you can see him deliberating what to do. He's looking up to where it was hanging. I'm, I'm holding it like this. He's holding it like this so it doesn't touch the ground. And he decided there wasn't any way he could get it hanging again. So he began to fold it. And the wind's blowing, and he fought it, and he folded it. And then he folded it into triangles. 
And then he tucked the tail into the triangle. Total proper hand. Now that's not enough. Because this man, when he set it on top of the boxes, he took two steps back, came to rigid attention, and saluted the flag. Executed a perfect about face, and went on about his job. That's honor. That's honoring our country. That's doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. That does more than any dictionary definition, in my mind, of honor. But I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about military honor, because honor is for Christians, too. I'm going to skip Merriam-Webster's definition and go right to International Standard uh, Bible Dictionary. The word honor and forms of it is used over 130 times in the Bible. And in the ISBE dictionary, it's often taken from the Greek, kaved or kavod. Kaved indicates heavy or weighty. And I can attest to that because to me I am, I am not just saying this. I am honored to be standing right here in front of you. And I can feel a heaviness. Now maybe it's part anointing, but I believe it's the honor that I'm feeling in this position. And it's real to me. And God wants us to walk in that and to flow in that. Kaved means heavy or weighty. And kavod means beauty or majesty or honor. And in Vine's Old Testament, same words are listed, kavod or kaved, to honor or to prefer. And then one more real quick, quickly. The Vine's New Testament. Sometimes the word doxa is translated as honor. How many have heard of the word doxa? There should be a lot of hands up because Pastor Steve's taught on it. Doxa is most often translated glory, like the glory of the Lord, the doxa of the Lord. But there are quite a few occasions where doxa is translated honor. And honor and glory, to me, work hand in hand. They go together. And I was thinking about it. And then I'm thinking about our language and our common usage. We say, the glory of the Lord shone about all around. Or we felt the glory of the Lord. And that makes sense, right? But if I come up to my brother Craig here and say, I glory you, he's going to say, what? (laughs) What's that mean? So the way I see it, the way I reconcile it in my mind is glory and honor, glory comes from above. Honor comes from us to others or to our God. We understand honor. If I say, Craig, I honor you, he gets it. But God sheds his glory on us. 
And there is a weightiness about that. There is a heaviness about that. That's not a term we want to just throw around. It is very real. And it means a lot to God. It is a sacred, sacred word. So I want to show you five instances in the Bible where we are clearly, clearly told to honor. And the first one is going to be in 1 Timothy 1.17. And it says, Now unto the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. That whole music section this morning was wrapped around that, right? I I had a good time. Thank you, music ministers. Hallelujah. The King Eternal just resonate on that. As Brother Bob said, this is the creator of the universe who said, like be, who put it in motion, and it is still in motion. Oh, we get so trapped into thinking that the here and now is this. But if you look at the space that I'm occupying right now, it's only a tiny fraction of this building. Of Lena. Illinois, and it's even smaller than County, and it's it's in the United States, and it's smaller than the continental United States, and and the world much much smaller, and we're talking a universe that has galaxies that have not even been found yet, that the King Eternal said be. to do something to you. Or as Andrew Womack says, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. (laughs) Hallelujah. We serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Go back in the Old Testament. I'm not going to quote the Scripture, but you all know it. What's the first commandment? Somebody say it out loud. Honor the Lord. Yes. Old Testament type shadow, New Testament command. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And the second is our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told in Scripture to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 5 and 23. That all men should honor the Son. To command. Even as they honor the Father. So we're tying the two together. Obviously, they're part of the Trinity. That all men should honor the Son. Even as they honor the Father. And he that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. The Son. Just meditate on that a little bit. We're not going to take time now, but you're driving down the road. When you're doing whatever you do on Sunday, think about that. 
and do a self-examination. I'm teaching, but I'm also preaching. And I promise before I'm done, I'm going to be meddling. So just be ready. What do you do in your spare time? Are you honoring the Father? Are you truly honoring the Father? We all need to self-examine ourselves. We need to say, Lord, is this that I do bringing you glory? Well, it's one thing to come here and have fun and enjoy the precious presence of the Lord and enjoy the ecclesia. But what happens in your quiet time? What happens on your job? Are you like that old boy that's delivering Amazon? That after I don't know how many years, he looked like maybe, I don't know what war he might have served in. But that video I told you about, nobody was looking. And he honored his country. Do we honor our God when nobody's looking? I'll be the first to say, I fall short. This mind is, in the spirit, I have the mind of Christ, I understand that. But this carnal mind is not totally renewed. Surprise! Right, come on, be real with me. Anybody, anybody bold enough to stand up and look me in the eye and say, I am totally renewed. Because if you can do that, I'm going to say goodbye because you're going to be just like Enoch because God's going to say, come on home. <laughs> There's nothing more for you here. I want a fellowship with you on my turf. Now, we all got a little ways to go. Some of us more than others. Now, the interesting thing in that scripture, that word honor, that all men should honor the Son, that's a different word. That's timao. And timao means to estimate or fix the value of. It's like putting a price on something. You fix the value. What is the value of Jesus to you? What is the value of Jesus to me? And the second definition is to honor or to have in honor, to revere or to venerate. And so I'll ask the same question again. How are you doing in your walk? Have you yielded everything? Do you put Jesus first? In everything. And I don't say that to get in anybody's business. I say that to help you as a brother. Because we're going from glory to glory. This is a journey. I told Bob more than once. I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm sure enjoying the ride. (laughs) It's glorious. And we should all be able to say that. Really... The fellowship that comes on Sunday morning, honestly, I might be going out on a limb here, but honestly, it should not be the high point of your week. Your relationship with Father God and your private time with Father God and what you give of your life to Father God, that should excite you. You should all be like Bob. Woo! Hallelujah! Woo! You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love my brother. <laughs> I gotta tell you a story on the two of us. 
I came in the first Sunday in May, and I walked across the back of the auditorium, and this guy's walking this way. And our eyes met, and he hugged me. You all had a hug. You know that's what that's like. There was something that happened in the Spirit. He and I knit in the Spirit. And that's part of my statement. I don't know where we're going, but I'm enjoying the ride. God's got plans for beloved church. God's got plans for each and every one of us. And I know that there are special plans for Pastor Bob and myself. And I'm excited. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. John 17, 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. That's an area where the honor is translated from the original word doxa. God gave his glory to Jesus in the previous verse, and Jesus gave his glory to us. And that glory that was given to us was so that we could be one. The ecclesia. We are to be one and one with Jesus, just as Jesus and God are one. It's all unity. That's what God desires. And it's exciting. It is exciting. If you come in here during the first song and you're out the door before we get done with the blessing, you're missing 90% of what this is all about. Amen? I'm just exhorting you as a brother. Hallelujah. I have never been in a church like this. And I the first time I went to church was in my mother's arms when I was two weeks old. And I'm 71. That's a lot of church. I have never seen a church like this or an ecclesia. And I have never, ever sat under a pastor like Pastor Steve. Yeah, give him a round of applause. I'll make another confession. I've had so many experiences with the church. I remember talking one time to God and saying, God, is the church really your best plan? Can't you do any better than that? <laughs> Just being transparent. <laughs> Don't throw any stones because you probably thought that too. <sighs> Pastor Steve has given me an appreciation for the local church, the ecclesia. And he has an understanding and an appreciation of the finished work of Christ and the cross that makes me envious. I am like driven to catch up to where he's at. <laughs> it's a personal challenge. I want what he's got. But in the, what, ten months I've been here maybe? I have learned more about the local church, more about the finished work of the cross, than I have in any one period of my life. And I had some great times of revelation in Guatemala. Um, I think I probably skipped over that in the testimony part, but 
When we were in Guatemala, I'll go back, go back and catch up real quick. When we were in Guatemala, we were in the northern jungles of Guatemala. Um, very remote area, tourist area, but remote. Uh, Tikal Mayan ruins, anybody familiar with that? We were an hour and 15 minutes from there. Um, the northern department that we were in called Petén covered one-third of the landmass of Guatemala, and there were 22 other departments that were split up smaller in the lower two-thirds. And it was remote. And there were 32 missionaries at one period of time in all of Petén. Now, just to get you a comparison, Guatemala City, 200 American missionaries, and only 32 in one-third of the country. And of those, there was not one that I could sit down and talk anything about the Bible. They were all into humanitarian works. They were all into medical clinics, dental clinics, stoves for the needy, food for the needy. And I'm not saying that to disparage them. Those are important. Jesus met humanitarian needs. But it was only to get their attention so he could share their real need, which was the gospel. But the people we were with didn't even want to talk about the gospel. Or if they did, it was in such a shallow way that I really questioned how much fruit there was. So Peggy and I were really chomping at the bit to, to do spiritual work. And it was during that period, it started about 2008, that God started giving me a revelation of grace. Gave me a revelation of spirit, soul, and body. I'll tell you, when I got a little grip on spirit, soul, and body, my Bible came alive. It's fantastic. But he ministered all these things. So I have about a three or four year period where I was like, I likened it to the backside of the desert. Remember Paul? When he went into the desert? 14 years and then another three years, 17 years in total. Peggy and I were in Guatemala for 17 years. I mean, now there's nothing between the two. It's just kind of good to compare myself to Paul once in a while. <laughs> so, we were, so we had our time on the backside of the desert, and God gave me just a whole lot of revelations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Revelations 4.11, please. I had about six or eight scriptures, and I, I narrowed it down for time's sake. But this is where the music ministry must have opened in my notes, because it says in Revelations 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Hallelujah. Revelations 5.12, please. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And one more, Revelations 7.12, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And there's more. Do you realize that's going on in heaven right now? 
There are heavenly beings going around the throne, singing and worshiping and bowing down as glory and honor forever and ever. And John, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, he saw that for eternity. That's how big a God we serve. And we sometimes have trouble getting up and getting to church. Oh, the God we serve. There are not words in this language. You can't explain it. You gotta know it. You gotta feel it. It's a spiritual thing. When you get it, you know you got it. Amen? Wow. Hallelujah. So we could preach a long time on that. But I'm gonna move on. Because it's almost time to start meddling. Another group that we are told in the Bible to honor is found in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children. How many children are in here? There's a few. There's more than I thought would raise their hand. You're all children. How do you think you got here? You had well mine have gone out. No, you had parents. You have parents. You are children. Does this apply to you? Yes. Honor your father and your mother. Long life goes with it. It's a promise. But we can't stop there. 6-4, please. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I know the word honor is not there. But if you're bringing your children to a point of wrath, are you honoring them? No. 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 Parents honor your children. But i got to say something along with that. Your children are not your friends. Did you all hear that? Your children are not your friends. And you are not your child's friend. They got friends. Neighbor kids here at church, at a school, they got friends. You are their parents. And you have a duty. And I look around and I see some older ones and they say, well, my kids are all grown. You're still parents. They're still your children. How are you treating them? The worst thing you could do is be your child's friend. Now, later in life, yeah, once they've established their own family unit, once they're settled in their path, yeah, I have great times with my son Scott. And I love spending time with my son Todd before he decided to go home. 
And I love my daughters. We, that's why we weren't at the men's meeting. I wasn't at the men's meeting yesterday. We had Christmas yesterday. <laughs> I think it was the third try this year for Christmas, but we finally did it and we still have the Christmas tree up, but we also put some Valentines on the Christmas tree. So we got both of them taken care of. I love it when my family comes. We're to honor our children, and our children are to honor us. And Gunnar, can I have permission to use something for an example? A week ago, Pastor Steve talked about Gunnar, sharing in the young adults group about the love of the Father, right? I'm not making that up, am I? Okay, that's I got the dates and everything right. You know that blessed Pastor Steve? You could tell when he was talking about it. But Tuesday at staff meeting, he was still talking about it. I'm feeling it now. It brought tears to his eyes. You don't know how much you honor your earthly daddy. That meant a lot to him. But even more so, it pleased the father. You see, we have a mirror. Are you familiar with the Bible? It says it's a mirror. We can look in that Bible and see who we are in the eyes of God. Am I right? Fathers, you got another mirror. I'm going to tell you about it. And mothers, there are mothers who are filling a father's role. And just because I'm talking about fathers doesn't exempt you, even if you are with a husband. Parents. Do you want to know why your kids act the way they do? Do I need to tell you? They're watching you. They are watching you. I was counseling a young man when we were going to church in Rockford before the mission field. He had five kids and he was a mess. And I was counseling, discipling, and we were going nowhere. And I remember one morning, there was a Denny's, I think it was on Harrison maybe, in, um, in 11th, down in the south end of Rockford, somewhere around there. We're sitting there at breakfast, and we're talking, and this young man I was with, he stopped eating, and he got this look on his face, and he said, Oh, no. I am just like my father. And I said, great, now we got something to work on. <laughs> Where can we go? He had to realize it. Everything that was going on bad in his life, he got from his father. I'll tell you another little story. My son Todd, when he was 16, he asked me, Dad, can I buy a pickup truck? He had the money, money for insurance, everything. He's self-sufficient. I think he's been self-sufficient since kindergarten, but it seemed like it. That's the one that went home early. I said, sure, what are you thinking about? And he says, well, I found this truck down in South Rock for South Winnebago County. He said, it's an old Ford, step-side pickup truck. Nice truck, three-speed on the column, um, six-cylinder straight engine. It was, it was nice. So we went down to look at it, and he liked it, and he bought it. Paid cash. 
And the whole time we're looking at that truck, I had taken him down in my van. And uh, while he's looking at it, the clouds started rolling in. And they were ugly, with a capital U. And by the time we got the deal taken care of, he would paid the man. The man got the title out, and they signed the title and everything. That storm was on top of us. And I said, Todd, here's the deal. This is a truck that's new to you. You've never driven it before. We don't know that much about it. I said, you know my van. You drive my van back home. I'll follow you in your new truck. Are you okay with that? He said, yeah. So we did. We beat the storm home. Two, two tornadoes were sighted. I don't recall if they touched down, but right in the area where we bought the truck. We had just got out of town in time. So the storm cleared. The sun came out. And I said, hey, Todd, you want to go drive your truck now? Yeah, let's go. So we get out. and He gets in the truck. I got in the passenger side. And we're parked up against the fence in our backyard. And you got to back into an alley. And then, like all the way to the far end of the alley, which is a long way. And he backs up, puts it in first, takes off, shifts up into second. And I'm thinking, this kid's driven a stick before. So I'm thinking he's got a friend at school. and He's been driving around the parking lot or something. And I said, Todd, answer me this. What? I said, where'd you learn to drive stick? And he looked up at me, and the look wasn't like, you are dumb, but the look was, that is a really dumb question. And he said, I watched you. I don't know if that does anything for you, but that hit me. What else has he learned from me? What are your kids learning from you? What are you modeling in front of of your children. We have a biblical command to honor children. And children have a command with a promise. And there's no age limit on children. Honor. Honor your mother and your father. Hallelujah. Moving right along. There's another group I want to talk about. And I can talk with authority on this one. 1 Timothy 5, 1, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. And verse 3, honor widows that are widows indeed. We are to elder, elder, honor the elders among us. Now, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not preaching do's and don'ts. I'm not saying you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But honor, while it can be an act, it is a tangible thing, it's more of an attitude. And there is a lot of wisdom wrapped up in the elderly crowd. Many of us have got multiple years of college in the University of Hard Knocks. You don't ever get a degree from there. You just pay tuition forever. (laughs) Hallelujah. Doc Ryan probably got more degrees than I got, but I'll bet I've been in school longer than he has. (laughs) I didn't get a college degree till last spring. (laughs) 
when I studied how to be a missionary after I'd been a missionary for 17 years. I mean, I do things a little backwards, okay? It's just the way I grow up. So, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Widows are included in that. But when you study in the Bible, widow doesn't mean just any woman who has lost a husband. The widows the Bible is talking about are in that elderly range. Elder, older, wise. Why? Paul tells us. The young woman is a widow. She's going to marry again. And the church has no responsibility to take care of her. But we have widows in our presence, and we honor them, and we have a responsibility to see that their needs are met. The older widows, we are to honor them. It is a big thing. Hallelujah. Let's go to, I skipped one verse on you there, Mitchell, but let's go to Leviticus 19.32. It says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man. Don't you love the words in this? And fear thy God. I am the Lord. Well, I have a hoary head. And I am an old man. So you're supposed to honor me and fear God. But again, I'm not preaching legalism. Actually, that scripture, I got at 4.30 this morning reading my Bible. I, yes, I was up at 4.30 reading Leviticus. <laughs> Woo! But God gave me a scripture about the hoary head. Let's jump back now to Proverbs 16.31, Mitch. I'm going to just mix this up as much as I can. It says, the hoary head, the white hair, is a crown of glory. If... Oh, that little word is a big word. If it be found in the way of righteousness. I see a few hoary heads in the room. We earned it, didn't we, brothers? (laughs) Wisdom comes with that. In this culture, in this day and age, Respect and honor have been long forgotten. And the reason I'm talking to you about this is because we, as the children of God, the example to the world, the light, the remnant, if we don't demonstrate everything that God wants us to be and made us to be, what good are we in the world? And in this day and age, it's even more so. That story about the old man with the flag. I'm the only one in our subdivision, to my knowledge, that does it. But I put the flag out in the morning. And I take it in at night because it doesn't have a light on it. That's flag etiquette. That's honor. You talk to any child that's gone through this school system, they have no clue that there is a list of etiquette for the American flag. If it starts to rain, I don't care what I'm doing. I'll take that flag down. I'm not going to let it out in bad weather. But it isn't just the flag. It's the elderly among us. It's the mothers, the fathers, the widows. It's a godly characteristic 
Our founding fathers, remember, called it a sacred honor. And sacred it is. It's of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mitch, I'm going to throw one more at you because I missed that Leviticus 20 and 9 with mothers and fathers. Or whoever's doing the scriptures. Okay, Mitch, I got it right. So let's jump back to Leviticus 20. I got that this morning early too. We're talking about mothers and fathers. For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Aren't you glad we got a new covenant? He hath, he hath cursed his father or his mother. That's why he's going to be put to death. His blood shall be upon him. Now, what I brought these two scriptures up about for is because they're Old Testament. I've been talking out of the New Testament. But these are Old Testaments and they're the law. How many could agree with me? The law is good. The law is God's best. It just so happens that we can't fulfill God's best. But it is God's best. And God's best says we don't curse our mothers and fathers. The New Testament version of that is that we honor our mothers and fathers. And the same with elders. But God, in His law, in the Pentateuch, in the Old Testament, gave us an incredible list of what pleases Him and what is perfect in His eyes. And we, we got grace. We can do whatever we want. No. 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 You know better than that. You know better than that. But I found it interesting when the Lord showed me those two verses this morning. I thought, yeah, that's... Because when you do the first commandment, love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill the law. So there's two examples of the law of what we're talking about. And if you just love people and honor them, you're fulfilling the law in the new covenant. Am I right or am I wrong? If I'm interpreting any of this wrong, do you let me know? Hallelujah. So we're going to go to point five, which is the final point. And after that, I'm going to start closing. There's one more group that we are to honor. And that's found in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 25. Now, I had never really seen what I'm going to talk about in this verse, because this verse and the next four verses after it, and again, I'm going to be transparent. Are there portions of the Bible where you're reading and you just kind of read over them? And don't take time because, yep, okay, I got that. I want to find something really juicy are really good, or something that really ministers. But here we've got Paul, and he's writing to the Philippians. And he says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier. Now that's the relationship that Epaphroditus had, or the relationship between Paul and Epaphroditus. Brother, companion in labor, fellow soldier. But he was your messenger. He's talking to the church in Philippi. Paphroditus was a messenger sent from Philippi to Paul. 
And he, he was your messenger, and he that ministered to my Paul's wants. So you see the relationship. Epaphroditus was in the leadership, I believe, in the Philippian church. And he was sent to Paul to minister to the needs. Verse 26, For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. It bothered Epaphroditus that his brothers in Philippi heard that he had been sick. Now, to me, I can find honor in that. I don't know about you, but he cared about his brothers. And it troubled him, not that he was sick, but that they found out that he was sick. Are you tracking with me? Next verse. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, when I read this verse... I got a whole other message I'm working on. And I know you don't make doctrine or teach on just one verse. But I'll give you a little insight. Is it better to have health or be healed? Have health. If you have health, you don't have to worry about being healed. What did Jesus do on the cross? He gave us health. He healed us all. Am I right? Now, I'm not saying there's no condemnation. I have been sick. Everybody in this room probably has been sick or attacked with a sickness at one time or another. Am I right? And we say, God, heal us. Heal us. I want my healing. I'm looking for my healing. Healing, 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 healing. That tells me God, in that instance, is showing His mercy. Without His merciful healing, after the fact that it's already been done, Epaphroditus might have died. Are you following me? Healing Epaphroditus was not God's best. Healing Epaphroditus was done at the cross, but Epaphroditus fell sick. And we've all been in that position. But God did step up, if I can use that term. Forgive me if I'm wrong, Lord, but He healed him, but out of a mercy motive. And I'm anxious to get studying on that and see if I can find more to bear that out. I see some of you are looking at me like, hold on here. But nevertheless, that's just a little sidebar. Lest I should have mercy. Lest I have sorrow. Yeah, it went too fast. That's right. Sorrow upon sorrow. Thank you. Next verse. I sent him there carefully. But when you see him again, you may rejoice. And that I may be less sorrowful. Next verse. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. And I want to pause there for just a minute, because that's what I found. I've never seen this in these verses before. That word, such, I got somewhere and I can't see it, so. It says, hold such 
meaning people like Epaphroditus, who are in that position, in reputation. And when you look up that reputation, that comes from words that have been translated more honorably. Paul is telling him, or telling the church at Philippi, to hold Epaphroditus. Not only honor him, but hold him up in high honor. And that brings me to the fifth group that I want to talk about. So, let's go to First Thessalonians. Or did we do 30? Let's do 30. I'll keep in order. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Epaphroditus got sick while he was doing the work that was caused by the Philippians church's lack of service towards Paul. Epaphroditus was a church leader. We are to honor church leadership. I can't emphasize that enough. The people that labor among you in the Word, and I'm thinking specifically about Pastor Steve right now, who gave up out of his own mouth a six-figure income and a profession to labor in the Word with no steady salary in the beginning. And what he's making today, how many of you would take that job? He's given up a lot. But he doesn't lord it over us. He doesn't flaunt it. He counts it an honor to the Father to be in that position. Just like I count it as a Father to be standing here in this pulpit right now, talking to my brothers and my sisters. We are to honor church leaders. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 11 to 13. See what that says. Because I've reached that point in my message where everything on my notes just kind of goes, mm. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost is saying, keep going, keep going. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. 5.12 And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. There is an honor that is due church leadership. It starts with the pastor. But there are other pastors, there are ministers, there are workers who are in leadership roles. There's three men sitting back in the sound booth right now that help make this event happen today. They're in leadership in one form or another. There are leaders down with your children. They are due high honor. Esteem them very highly. In love. Honor them. Honor is a characteristic. Honor is a godly trait. 
And God wants us to honor one another. Let's go. We're going to jump just a little bit and then we're going to go back. So let's go to 1 Timothy 5.17 while we're talking about honor. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. That's an excellent scripture. It's truth. It's the word of God. And I praise God that I'm sitting under a pastor who understands that scripture. Because in years past, I sat under a pastor who used that as his personal wealth-building scripture. You see where I'm going with that? You can take anything and make it legal. And he beat his sheep into giving him what he thought he was due. And he went so far as to search out the incomes of his flock and demand double. How much blessing is there in that? No. No, I'd be more afraid of a lightning strike. (laughs) But in truth, that is a wonderful scripture. Now, I want to close. Well, that's my first close, honestly. 30 years ago, more or less, I read a little booklet. It's still in print, but I don't have a copy of it, so I'm doing this from memory. And I want to, we're talking about honoring leadership, but it, it works with honoring everybody. And to set it up, let's go back to, uh, if I can find it, Proverbs 25:17 is the one we skipped. Thank you. They're faster than I can say it. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. I read a book by Pastor Mark Barclay called The Sin of Familiarity. And like I said, it was 25, 30 years ago I read it. I'm doing this by memory. But every relationship has, a healthy relationship has four stages. There is a fifth stage. And that first stage is... And some of this comes from worldly type um, psychology, possibly. But every relationship starts with suspicion. If I meet somebody for the first time, like, if I can be so bold, this brother sitting back here in the gray sweatshirt, I've never seen you before. And if I were to come up to you, I don't know anything about you. And the first stage of our relationship, if there were to be a relationship, would be, I don't know if I want to share things with him. I don't know where he's coming from. I don't know what he believes. And I'm suspicious. And likewise, he's suspicious of me because he doesn't know me. Now, that's the first stage. The second stage is an investigative stage. We start talking. We start sharing. And we start finding out we got some things in common. We share some interests, maybe. We share some beliefs. Maybe we share some political ideas. I don't know. You sure find out quickly in this day and age. Step three. You become familiar. If I'm still using this brother in his example, I get to where I kind of know what's going on. 
I know how he's going to greet me. If he comes in and something's gone wrong on the way to church, I might even sense it or I might even know it. Because I've become familiar with him. And the fourth stage is trust, which is a healthy relationship. I know you, you know me, we trust each other, we have no questions, everything's open. Alright? That's a real quick overview. But there is a fifth. And it can open the door to sin. And it's called excessive familiarity. To where you get to the point of knowing somebody so well that you just start taking them for granted. You start overstepping your bounds as one half of the relationship. That's what this scripture is about in Proverbs. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. Is the Bible telling you not to have friendships? No. You want to be a good friend. You want to be a good neighbor. But you don't want to overdo it. Do you see the principle I'm talking about? When you apply that to church leadership, you may restrict the ability of the leader to minister into your life. Excessive familiarity is from the evil one. And I encourage you all, this body of believers is wonderful. And I see everybody intermingling and loving and kissing and hugging and it's great. I love it. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, guard your hearts. Don't let it go too far to where you cannot receive from those who God has placed. I'm not exalting leaders. I'm not exalting Pastor Steve, although he deserves it. I'm not exalting myself. But we are the people, and Pastor Bob, and Pastor Craig, and Pastor Tab, and Pastor Ryan, and Jess, and I'm forgetting somebody, I apologize, but God has put them here, all of us, for a reason. And it's for you. Because God loves you. Keep things in perspective. Honor those. Okay, my second close. Hallelujah. Philippians 2 and 3. This is a short one. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is a good guideline. I am to esteem everyone better than myself. Now, the devil will talk to people and say, you are nobody. You are a worm. And you walk around like, I'm a Christian. I have got the joy of the Lord. And everybody else is flying high, but I am just... I don't know what. No. We are to esteem each other better than ourselves, but that doesn't mean we are not to know who we are. And we are the king's kids. We are made in the image of God. We have the mind of Christ. We have all the promises that have been completed, yes and amen, on the cross. They are ours. And we need to know that. Do we go around flaunting it? No. This church, this ecclesia, has been an oasis in my life. And I'm going to give a quick testimony here. 
Honestly, we struggled some in Guatemala. I struggled in every church I've served in. I had a prophecy the other night when I was with Bob down in Winnebago from Tom Stammon. And I like when I hear prophecies to hear something that I know, that I know that it couldn't be just general. I mean, like, if the prophet says you're going to travel west within the next two years, okay. <laughs> yeah, what else you got for me? But he says, I sense that your gift has not been recognized in other churches. He could only know that by the Spirit of God. And God confirmed that prophecy to me. But I didn't go around wearing it on my coat sleeve. Peggy and I came to Beloved Church because we needed building up. We came out of Guatemala and we were running on empty. We needed to be rebuilt. And this body has done it. And I want to just applaud you guys. Because it's happened. But in that, we don't esteem ourselves higher. We esteem others higher than us. doesn't matter where we're at. We esteem others higher than us. And let's go to that next to the last one. I think it is Romans 12.3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Meditate on that little phrase right there. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Is it okay to think highly of yourself? Yes. Think highly of yourself. If you don't think highly of yourself, you're not going to get anything done. Think highly of yourself. But don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But think soberly, according as God as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Hallelujah. Those are guidelines with the characteristic of honor. And we are to put others first. And when you do that, you will be known as honorable. So we've looked at five, just to recap real quick. Five areas the Bible clearly talks about honor. We're to honor God, we're to honor Jesus, we're to honor father and mother, we're to honor the aged, and we're to honor those that labor among us, the leaders. And I'm going to close, honestly. This is the final close. Now, sometimes in the past, I've asked permission. I've said, is is there anybody here that would give me five more minutes? And then when they raise their hands, I say, five, ten, fifteen, (laughs) twenty. No, I don't need that now. And we're going to get out of here. Get out of here earlier than we did last week. Hallelujah. (laughs) Revelation 5, 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and glory, and honor, and glory, and power, be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb, forever and ever. 
And if you're expecting me to say amen, no, i got more to say. That verse hit me because it says every creature. Every, in the original language, means to the exclusion of none. Every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, that's every creature, isn't it? We haven't specifically called out the birds, but they don't fly all the time, so they're in the earth. So every creature is to honor God. And John heard him saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Last week, if you were here and listened to Doc Ryan's teaching, or if you caught it on YouTube, I hope you did, and if you didn't, you should. Get it. It's available. Well, we got about three quarters of the way. Can I be honest again? And I know he'll see this, so I was beginning to think, where's he going with this message? Am I right? I'm not telling stories out of school. And Peggy and I had a brush with some really whacked out doctrine when we were searching for where we're supposed to be. And I sat down after eight or twelve weeks with the pastor that we have been trying to understand. And I asked him point blank, I said, are you talking universalism? And he says, well, just think universalism and take one step back. That shook me. And I said, we're done. We parted friends, but we're done. And now we got Doc Ryan. And he's starting to throw out this. And it's, I'm thinking it's time for him to close. And he throws out this. And it's like, you could do a college course on this one statement. And then he says, but if that doesn't work, maybe this. And it's deeper. And he gets to universal reconciliation. Bing! I start listening again. And when I listened to it on YouTube, I listened intently. And when I saw this scripture, when I was preparing to share with you, blessed people, every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. God has a plan God does not want any to perish. And John, while he was on the Isle of Patmos, saw the throne and every creature giving glory and honor to God. God will have His way. Amen? Amen. I'm done, honestly. Let me pray for you. And then after that, I'm going to ask you to stand and do a blessing. But I want to pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share what you gave me to share. I thank you, Father, 
for each and every one of my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I thank you for the leadership in beloved church. And I ask that you just strengthen each and every one of us, not only the leaders, but our brothers and sisters, as we go forward in this day and age. Lord, what's going on in this world is not a surprise to you. It is not out of control, but you have everything under control. You have seen the end from the beginning. And you have called us all to such a time as this. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in leadership in this ecclesia. I pray for a strengthening that we stand firm, that we stand as a pillar of light for all those who come anywhere near this church, that we can reach out. Father, I believe in my heart that troubled times are coming. You may say, well, these are troubled times. Well, I think it's going to get more troubling. But we never want to forget, Father, that we are king's kids. And as king's kids, we rule and reign in the king's kingdom. So we thank you for this kingdom that you have given us. And we thank you that we are your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet. And I just thank you for each and every one of them, my brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon goodbye beloved Speak like-